I didn't realize this was an all Sunbelt episode of The Lion's Edge, by the way. Hey there, welcome into another episode of The Lion's Edge, brought to you as always by BetMGM. I am your host, Chase Kitty, sports writer and odds analyst over at the BetMGM blog that is, of course, called The Roar. Excited to get into another episode today. Lots of good content for you. Uh, Let's start with last week and the lack of an episode. Uh, If you listened to the previous episode uh, from two weeks ago with the great Christian Cipollini, uh, my coworker here at BetMGM, manager on the trading team, if you missed that one, I highly recommend you go back and check it out because there's a lot of good information in it. Uh, But if you already did listen to that episode, you probably caught me saying uh, something along the lines of, barring an unforeseen catastrophe, there would definitely be an episode last week, even though I was scheduled to be on vacation. Well, it turns out there was an unforeseen catastrophe. Uh, I caught COVID, which I know is like three years too late. I am slow to most trends, uh, so it does make a little bit of sense. Uh, But my wife thinks I got it when I went to Vegas. I think I got it before that. Either way, I'd been back from Vegas for about 72 hours, and I woke up uh, last Tuesday, two weeks ago now, and I was just, I was donezo. Uh, So it put me on the floor for the better part of a week. I needed a, a, a week just like away from work. I could barely talk. Uh, I recorded the interview that you're going to hear in today's episode while I had COVID in like a brief half an hour period where my voice didn't sound like total crap. Uh, But I think when you listen to the questions I ask, I'm just not super articulate. I'm just not, it's it's not the sharpest set of question asking that you've ever heard from me. Uh, But we'll, we'll get to my conversation with Drew here in a second. Anyway, that's what happened uh, over the last couple weeks. I've been on the mend. I am back. I sound like a normal human being again. So excited to talk a little bit of football uh, and other odds and ends today. Coming up, NFL futures. I've got not one, not two, not three, but 20 NFL futures bets that I have already placed and that I'm going to talk to you about what I like about them, why I like them, why I'm betting them now as opposed to later in season. Uh, But before we get to that, a quick conversation, about 20, 25 minutes, uh, with my friend Drew Odell, another BetMGM employee here. He works in the stats and information corner of the BetMGM PR machine. Uh, Like I said, I don't think this is my best interview. I think I asked some really crappy questions. But Drew offers some really good nuggets, especially, I I actually think he's at his best almost where he's giving throwaway information. Like when when he is laying out the framework of a question or when he's referencing like some sport that he likes to bet or when he's kind of building the context of a direct question, that's I think where he gives some of his best stuff. So uh Probably a C- minus from me, but Drew really brings it with some good information here. Uh, really tapping into the, uh, the, the BetMGM resources uh, here at my disposal inside of the company for all of your benefits. Uh, so without further ado, uh, here's my conversation with Drew Odell, and we'll talk NFL futures on the other side. All right, Drew Odell. Data analyst with the PR and comms team here at BetMGM. Welcome to the Lions Edge, Drew. How are you doing today? I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Pleasure to be here. Anytime, anytime. You and and John, our friend John Ewing, mm-hmm. do such great work just in the data mining lane and looking at the numbers of, of where markets fall and where everybody's betting. And, and John, especially, I'll listen to Bill Simmons' podcast and I'll hear his mm-hmm. name get dropped every once in a while. So you guys are... You guys are really doing the Lord's work, projecting all the numbers out there and blasting it into the stratosphere for everybody. For for anybody maybe that like, you know isn't on the PR blasts or, or kind of yeah. kind of knows what you guys do, could you 
lay it out for everybody, the ins and outs of what you guys are looking for, what you do, like how you see your place in the world. Yeah. So basically, uh, in a nutshell, what John and I do is we try to cover sports as best we can, top to bottom, from Women's World Cup to the NFL to, you know, and the NHL draft odds, all, all that all that and everything in between. We like to look at ticket and handle percentages. So ticket is basically the amount of bets handles the amount of money for each side. So we look at percentages. So which, you know, which team has, say it's the Cowboys, it's the Eagles, say, you know, who's betting more on Eagles spread with a ticket count, who's betting more on like, you know, Cowboys spread based off a handle percentage. Um, and also look at line movements across all markets and teams and every, like I said, everything in between. On top of that, we also like, we do have media requests as well and people asking for specific angles and data from MLB Network, Athletic, things along those lines. And I mean, we had one yesterday, I was looking up uh, how many times Garrett Wilson went over his receiving yards prop last year. So everything from, you know, more specific markets like that to general NFL line movement. Uh, we do every college football top 25 matchup and line movement. Kind of last but not least, we also share notable parlays and bets and any, you know, possible teachers tickets. Maybe this guy, you know, had nuggets to win the, the title last year, Chiefs from the Super Bowl, and they have a you know, maybe it's a suing to win the Women's World Cup and that ticket like that, find something along those lines that we think is exciting or can help generate some media buzz or, you know, help get the BetMGM name out there in the sports betting and data world. I think a lot of people are probably familiar with like Action Network and other places that'll mm -hmm. do ticket percentage pulls in yeah. there for each game. You guys are like the in-house specialists for that. And, and I, you guys are so helpful to me because whenever I'm writing blog content and I'm like, I think I need... I need I need a number here. I need I don't quite know what it is. I got to sit down. I got to figure it out, and I can yeah. shoot you guys a message. And I know if you're that helpful for in-house people, like the the number of external requests you guys mm -hmm. must be getting from from yeah. benefactors outside of the company is is massive. Yeah, definitely. Like I said, it's talking about John Young. He's been in the betting space on Twitter and having all these numbers out here and there like for for years on end. So it was, and he was. He had so much. And boy, I got ended up getting hired to help him out. He's been great teaching me how everything works, like what's important in the market, what's relevant, what the people want to see, and like I said, and how to evaluate the data and what to look for. Talk to me about the signal and the noise. You know, you guys put so much data out there. You you live in the numbers so much. It can be, I'm guessing, a little overwhelming at times looking at so much volume. So where do you kind of key in on, and, and maybe some of this is just instinct, maybe some of it's practice, but how do you key on, in on, I think this is an important piece of data in terms of uh, actionability or betting angles. What's important and what's not? Yeah. Uh, like I said, it's, there's so much data. Like you said, there's so many, look at so many numbers, especially when you're looking at NFL games, you know, hundreds of thousands of de like data pieces and stats. So we try to look at things that are like, important things that are like relevant things that are interesting as well if we report the exact same thing as every week always sent out was like okay what's the over under on derrick henry's rushing yards and just like beat that market into the ground like it's, mm. eventually it's going to lose steam to us you try to find new things and try to stay on top of things as best we can and try to find you know different angles okay kelsey's getting a ton of uh, a ton of bets on his under receiving receptions props and try to look for anything that's like very heavily bet and also trending in a, in a different way or in something new each week as opposed like i said to doing the same thing yeah, I mean, I think one of the well-worn, uh, you know, maxims of sports betting is every edge degrades over time. Yeah. So I definitely, I, I hear what you're saying when you say, you know, like you can't you can't beat something into the ground like that because yeah. eventually everything goes away. Important, relevant, interesting. I wrote that down when you when you said that. What what's an example uh, if if you have anything off the top of your head or in your notes or anything? What's an mm -hmm. example of an angle that would be important, relevant, or interesting? Like when you're looking at a specific market. Um, I think player props, especially popular people, they um, like. I think I think relevancy is a big part of it because it's week to week NFL. It's like there's so much lead up to the NFL. I think there's a lot of places like angles you can take. But during the season, I like to find like you know players that are playing hot that take the national spotlight. Say like like when Brock Purdy blew up and it was like everyone started betting on him. So okay, like what Brock Purdy facts can we find? Okay, yeah, here's a good one. The uh, the PGA the PGA pro that was um, I just I just escaped his name. Hit the hole in one at the uh, I believe the PGA Championship. Um, I think his name is. I believe his name is Michael. But he was. Uh, we need PGA Ryan Pro. Hannibal on here for the for this PGA yeah, conversation. Yeah, yeah that's you're, true. You're you're out of depth. Um, uh, you're depth with me, unfortunately, on golf. Yeah, but yeah, sorry, it's a little bit different angle. But it was. Uh, I'm, I'm drawing a total blank on his name. But he had a hole in one. He was a PGA pro where he basically just qualified through the PGA, which is not like the, like the PGA tour, a separate one, and then 
the next week, people we had people that I've never heard talk about golf before emailing me asking about data about him and what are his odds for top 20, top 40, and everything else. So it's like there's a really kind of a not a short memory, but a, a desire to be relevant and like what's happening right now in the space immediately. So yeah, so finding like yeah, players are blowing up. What's relevant? What pops up? Okay, Derek Henry's had two 200 yard games in a row. Let's let's get some data on him and figure out what's relevant because that'll people eat that up. I hear what you're saying about relevancy. Is there a mm-hmm. specific thing that you personally go to when in terms of maybe looking for data, in terms of looking for trends, or maybe even like, I don't know how much you personally bet or what your personal appetite mm-hmm. is. So that's kind of even secondary to this conversation in the first place. But like, wh- where do you kind of go personally when you're thinking about finding um, actionable betting angles in, in specific markets? Uh, so my favorite things to do, uh, especially in NFL primetime games, is fading the public. Those are the biggest ones where I just I bet I bet the numbers and the percentages more so than try to bet with my heart. Um, where like I said I, I think you wrote an article about it recently in NFL and fading the public, uh, and then also with our, our social media team, we we'll pushed out a little bit. We used to have reports of like you know who's betting on who for the night games, but it was like there was I can't remember the exact percentage of it, but I think it was like around seventy percent where like it was whoever the public was betting on the other team was going to cover every time, not money line, but just just covering. So it was a backdoor cover, however it worked out. So it was, that's kind of something I like to look for. Um, something else I was kind of evaluated last year that was interesting was like, there's some, uh, markets that are just bet in the affirmative, like player props are almost always like 90 plus percent of bets are going to be on the over almost every time. unless yeah. there's like some sort of super sharp angle. So I used to think about, okay, like, are, these, are these worth fading the public on, you know, everybody's betting, you know, Travis Kelsey over hundred yards receiving. And also if you're entertainment value, you want to watch the game and root for Travis Kelsey to have a great game and show off as opposed to, you know, drop every pass or get benched. Andrew Doughty, who used to co-host the show with me, mm-hmm. would occasionally say on this show, I don't think he came up with this. I've heard this in other places too, but he used to say, yeah. life's too short to bet the under. Yeah. And I, we always would argue about that because I would say, life's too short to lose money betting on square overs, like, yeah. it, which is exactly what you're talking about, like, especially in prop markets. I mean, yeah. overs are public plays pretty much anywhere. But especially yeah. you want to talk about props, like nobody's betting unders on props. It just doesn't yeah. happen. It's it's like 90-10, like you said. Yeah. But yeah. If you find the right one, sometimes you find like, you know, if a team's their game plan, like it's like some teams, you know, if they're, so you can't outscore these fees. So some teams are going to try to slow that game down, less possessions. So less possessions means less opportunities for catches and yards and all that stuff. So finding angles like that, it's hard to have one giant blanket statement yeah. on these, but like going week to week and kind of having like a system of like, I guess kind of like betting rules I like to use and I'm betting like, you know, Never take a bad number, like plus two and a half, minus three and a half. Those are just numbers I just stay away from or buy the half point here or there. But also like, you know, if it's if it's under 30 degrees uh, and it's a windy day, I don't, like an outdoor outdoor stadium, I almost always bet the under just out of principle. I think it's a, a good way to go in the in the cold weather. Yeah, baseball, you can really get into some of that weather stuff too. Yeah. Just, you know, especially when you're looking at Wrigley or, or other stadiums mm-hmm. that are like highly yeah, definitely. You know, affected by weather for sure. Yeah. You know, I had Christian Cipollini on last week. Yeah, Ho- hopefully our audience knows a little better now. And certainly yeah. it's a, a guy that you and I know. And I was asking him about the sharpness of NFL lines and how sharp the markets are. And, you know, mm-hmm. and he had so many like really well thought out explanations for like how a market gets shaped over time and all the different yeah. people that, that bet into an NFL market, which old information for experienced betters, but I thought was really helpful mm-hmm. like for people that are that are coming into the space and are so relatively new to it. I wonder if there's a data half of this question, uh, wondering about like the sharpness of NFL markets, because you, you and John, as I've said, do great jobs putting out all of this information about NFL markets. At the same time, there is so much data on NFL markets. There are so many mm-hmm. tickets. There's so much handle. I've, I've started to wonder recently if that information becomes less relevant in a big football market or a big maybe like a big nba market that has a really big handle versus Mm -hmm. a smaller market where you might be able to pull out individual sharp bets and Mm -hmm. maybe assign a little bit more meaning to it do you think there's something there yeah uh nfl like you said without a doubt we have so many tickets so much data to it we kind of see it in kind of ebbs and flows something i've kind of noticed recently is uh like early week data, or even like we send out every NFL game on Friday and we kind of see like regional stuff pops up very fast. So like in the beginning of the week, they want like people want to bet their team, get the numbers in case it moves. So like, for example, like uh, the Lions in Michigan. I knew like you were Michigan going to the huge... Lions. I could feel it in my bone. Yeah. You were going oh, to yeah, Detroit. Exactly. Yep. 
uh, but Michigan betters, they, they love, they love to bet the Lions. Yeah. Um, and again, not a bad thing by any means, just looking at it, looking at the data. And it's, uh, so they'll give it, you'll have a huge influx of like a high ticket percentage earlier in the week, or maybe on that Friday with data, because those Michigan betters want to get their bets in early overall. When you like, we pull, you look at data, like right before kickoff, because so much betting action happens between the hour before kickoff, you know, after inactives get announced 90 minutes before kickoff. So like once that comes through, you see who's healthy, who's not, who's going to go for it. Then we have so much volume pouring. We're like, those numbers kind of even out a little bit more back to reality, more so than kind of like being skewed by a, by a regional market or sometimes like last year with Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, they would love to jump on those early numbers. You get Philadelphia, you know, at six and a half or like a favorable number in the spread. They would love to jump on those numbers early and try to, even it could move the other way, but if they saw a good number, they liked it, kind of that regional influx of it where if not, I mean, you don't see nearly as much in, a, in states like, well, like in Texas where there's not nearly as much of a, it's sports betting is not legal, so you don't have that same right. influx of that regional local influence. That makes sense. Tell me about Drew Odell's favorite personal markets we we all know football pays the bills yeah right we all we oh, all yeah. know I, I got a i got a printout of of where mgm's handle is a couple months ago and it was like i mm-hmm. mean it was the middle of the summer so it was a whole lot of baseball as yeah. you expect and like a surprising amount of college basketball and a ton of nba yeah. do you go off the off the board someplace are you super into like professional lacrosse lines like what's <laughs> tell me I, you're you're up there in new york so i, I don't know like yeah. there's definitely some new yorkers familiar with lacrosse what's what's the weird stuff that you like to if not pull numbers for then at least yeah. follow and uh and, and maybe have some angles uh i enjoy at college baseball i think it's really fun to bet i think it's a very underrated product like it's so much fun there's so much variable to it you have guys that are you know 18 out of high school graduated early, you know, like throw it against these guys are going to be a top five pick in MLB. Cause once you declare for college baseball, you play three years. Yep. So you have literally like guys like Dylan Cruz last year batting like well over 400 going against, you know, playing national championship, playing against guys. You have like, you know, an 18, 19 year old kid playing second base. It's a fun variable of like a, just a fun thing to watch and fun to bet and over hits so often. Cause it's, I mean, you have one half and you can drop say, you eight to talk about, no, no question. You want to talk about loving betting overs, yeah. college baseball, yeah. my God. And maybe this is, a, this is a bias, right? One of Southern Miss, which is a, a really good mid-major program yeah. with a back-to-back super regional host. Um, I think that's a really fun one. I also might, so recently I've been getting to a lot of, I love round robin three balls in PGA. So like Thursday, Friday, you're looking at these three balls where you have some, you can find some some matchups where you have maybe have like Sung JM and then a couple, an amateur and then some guy who's maybe, it's, even if it's Justin Thomas, who's been struggling, but you feel like it's a pretty much a shoe in but you get, you find three or four of those and you, you're looking at, you know, 120 different golfers you can it's four different three ball pairings you can look at you find a couple you like and then round robin them together which is for those that don't know it's like a you can make it like a two if it's a four leg parlay you can also have everyone yeah. like every combination three, of every combination of the all twos of them. And so the you don't have to sweep them. everything but mm-hmm. yeah but you bet each one of them so that's been really fun to kind of follow where it's because you lose so many parlays by one leg like everyone has their their horror parlay story you know i was I could have been retired in Cabo by now, but you know, the Jets, Jets didn't cover on Sunday night football, something like that. Uh-huh. So it's, I found that round Robin's almost like a free insurance where you can still be mostly right. Still get a payout. And then if you're right all the way across that parlay is still part of that as well, but where you still get a cash in if you, if you do strike gold, you know? Yeah. We, we got to get you with Ryan Hannibal. Uh, you got the, yeah. the golf uh, <laughs> emanating between the two of you guys. He, he talks three ball all the time. I didn't realize this was an all Sunbelt episode of the lion's edge, by the way, because I went to, oh, really? I went to JMU. So, oh, well, yeah. Well, welcome to FBS as well. Yeah. Congrats on a great, great opening season we'll, last year. We'll see if we can keep it going. I did, I did an hour and 45 minutes with the JMU sports yeah. blog the other night. I, I think I'm less optimistic than everybody else is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you more of a, co- well, if you went to Southern Miss, I think I probably already have the answer to this, but are you more of a college football guy or an NFL guy? I'm more of an NFL guy. I, uh, I work at the team at Southern Miss. It was a blast and love college football. But it's there's so many variables. It is tough to bet. It's such a great park. I love them both. I, it's hard to pick. But like if I had to, you know, back against the wall, pick it, pick which one. I'd probably, probably pick NFL. Uh, but again, I also worked the NFL for two years doing stats. So I gotta just my job was watching football for 30 hours a week basically, and then evaluating for the last 10 to 15, 20 hours. So it's I really enjoyed. I think watching. It's such a clean game. So many like it's fun to watch the how much like you know 60 minutes can come down to literally the last 30 seconds where the teams play so even and it's. Think about like the variables we have, you know, coaching staff of 12 to 15 people, like these are the best guys in the world on a 52 man roster. And then it comes down to like two or three plays at the end of a game. Like if, you know, Devonta Adams, if he toe touches or if his foot's out of bounds by an inch and how, like, how, how much it comes down to just splitting hairs to win the games. I love the, the perfectionism and like the, that element to a lot of the NFL 
in the top level of the NFL. So in terms of the betting markets, what do you what do you think is okay? Do you feel like you have an edge in NFL and reading markets there over college football? And if you do, like, what do you think it is about NFL lines that that makes you a little bit uh, sharper on the read? Uh, my favorite thing to do in the NFL is I think I have a little bit of advantage here is uh, is live money line. I think is where the, the money's at, uh, especially if I don't like a number early on. Because um, not this is really like a, a secret, but in football, like almost every team, uh, depending on situations, but for the most part, your first drive, you have scripted plays. You want to run against the defense to see how how they're going to coaches to adjust to it, how they're going to line up, how they're going to defend. Like you know, say it's like. San Francisco, for example, they love their zone blocking schemes. So they're going to come out and run a couple of zone plays, see how they defend it, and take notes on that. They're on their surface pads, on the, on the sideline, going over everything, drawing it up. But, like, um, we also have an idea of where you get an advantage against the defense. So those first drives, a lot of teams are really good at getting points. Like the Packers, the Browns last year, they're great at getting points in their first drive. So if they get the ball first especially, like, let them go down, get their seven points in the scripted plays. Defense makes adjustments. Offense makes adjustments. And the head coaching value really comes into play. Um, so I feel like after – Say it's a Packers or, you know, say they're a three-point favorite, they come down and – or say they're a three-point underdog, they come down and score right away. And then um, say it's basically even line right there. You can take money on either team, and they haven't, they haven't touched the ball yet. They still have all their scripted plays, and you still you just get a brand-new line basically after five minutes because a new line spat out, if that makes sense. That is a great tip. I, I like to I like to do kind of – I wouldn't call it the opposite, but it is – Yeah. It's it's the same strategy used in a different way, which is if yeah. I like a dog, if I like a money line dog, I will let yes. the favorite score, and then yes, get exactly. an even better price. And yeah, it goes it goes both ways, right? Because I mean, yeah. if you like a dog to win, they're probably going to be trailing at some point in the game. So like you might exactly. you might as well pick up the the longer number yeah. early in the game. I think the same. Um, in the reverse, if you have a, if you like a favorite a lot in a game and they go down, I think it's always worth taking the, the better team if they're down seventeen ten at halftime especially look at like turnovers and like, I like to look at basically like significant events, or, like anomaly plays. Like, uh, like for example, uh, I was in New York, which I'm not a bet in New York because I work for a sport book, but it was, I was watching the, uh, the, uh, the huge comeback by the Jaguars against the chargers last year in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And I was like, there's no chance that Trevor Lawrence does four picks in the second half. Like there was just a couple of miscommunications, like drop passes tipped near, like, that's not going to, that's not a sustain. I like, guess not going to happen again in the second half. But I was like, I would love to you know sprinkle a little bit on that. Like, Super long shot Jaguars money line. Not that I was like convinced they're going to win, but I was like, you know what? If they like Doug Peterson's a really good coach, uh, obviously proven, and I love that Jaguars roster. And I was like, I think they're not just going to roll over, and there'd be a chance they could win this. Because I think is again, I think it's which is I think is a good bet. Not all good bets win, but the more good bets you have, the more wins you'll have. Uh, you and I both were on the Jaguars halftime line. I think the difference being, yeah. you, it sounds like you had a very rational. Uh, uh, thoughtful approach, and I yeah. <laughs> had a pre-flop Chargers position that I was hedging out of, yeah. and was about yeah. <laughs> I don't know nine beers in. So it's yeah. hey, you know smart. different strokes. And I was texting my buddies in Jersey, and I was like, "Man, I was like Jaguars money line right now, like five to one, eight to one, ten to one, twelve to one." And I was just it was it was me. pretty I deep. Actually, put some action on yeah, it. Yeah, it was pretty but deep. Yeah. We'll get you out of here on this, Drew. You you and John send out all these different sheets of uh, information, which mm-hmm. I I. Don't just get shared with the media, but like I, I feel like I mm-hmm. see like the snapshots of them on social media sometimes yeah. or uh, I, on BetMGM's Twitter account, Instagram account. Like yeah. you get shared in a lot of places. If you are an average better and you're looking at one mm-hmm. of those sheets and it has you know the ticket handle information, it's got the the mm-hmm. you know all these different breakdowns for the money line and the total and the spread. How would you counsel somebody to look at that to find actionable information? What what would be the takeaway, what would be the, how you would attack that sheet for a novice better that doesn't necessarily have the expertise of, of maybe a you or an I. Yeah. I think it's uh, I think going one week at a time is tough. I think if you were to look at it consistently over a few weeks and kind of figure out, okay, like Jaguars are, you know, they're oh like when the public bets the over, you know, it's like they're, they're Oh and four or like the, it's the under hits when the public bets the over the Jaguars game and kind of look at, try to kind of, find a couple things to track and stick to a system to it, as opposed to trying to like cherry pick each week. Like, and again, like I said, back to what I said earlier, a little bit to fade the public aspect to it. So, and by, especially in primetime games for just for, for clarification, like primetime, like Thursday night football, uh, Sunday night football and Monday night football. Those are the three big primetime games during the week. Like for example, last year there was, I want to believe, I want to say it was a Thursday night game where it was Eagles who were like red hot against the Texans who were just dying ducks. I think it was a 10 point line around 10 points. And it was, it was a one position game down to the, like the end of the fourth quarter 
where uh, like Philly didn't cover, but I mean, everybody's on Philly. I was actually on Philly. I didn't fade the public. I, I went against it. That's when I was really like, okay, like it's these primetime games fade the public. So whatever percentage, say it's a high percentage on a home team to cover the spread, take take the opposite team, I think is the way to go. I guess the, one of the, the easiest way to look at it, just A plus B equals C, but also long-term, you see those sheets every week, keep getting posts. I think like people like Patrick Everson, our social media team, they'll, they'll put yep. those sheets out pretty consistently. Yeah, just like find a few teams, find a couple things to look at and be like, ooh, like this number looks kind of interesting or like I really like the over here, but the everybody's betting the under, which sometimes can be an edge, sometimes could be, you know, you're missing something glaring, like it's going to be a monsoon like week one in Chicago last year with the Niners. Yeah, I think the, certain things are always suspicious to me, like yeah. random, super popular public unders, always very suspicious to me. Yeah. Uh, popular underdogs, very suspicious to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think to your point, finding spots that are unpopular because that's that's always where the value is like yeah you always from the sportsbook's perspective you always have to jack up the price of a team that nobody wants to bet in order to make yeah. it more you know palatable <laughs> for people to bet it so there's almost yeah. always inherent value there you don't have to bet every ugly unpopular team but nope. when you look at which teams are ugly and unpopular if you like one or two then you go after those two and i think that's a really yeah it's it's a really basic but very consistently yeah. successful uh, strategy for for okay. younger betters. Agreed. If it if it looks too good to be true, it is too good to be true in sports betting. That's one of the things I've learned very quickly. If you're like, wow, this line is way too high. Like, I gotta bet this like you know five to one underdog or whatever it is. Like, or it's they're only getting two and a half points. Like, if it if it's too good to be true, it it almost always is. And like you said, don't force a bet. You don't have to. You don't have to bet an ugly number or bet a that's something you don't want to you don't have to bet a game if you're watching it like if it's, there's plenty of games i'm like you know what i'm gonna watch every second of this game but i don't like the numbers here don't like the market couldn't get a good live market during the game so i'm just gonna stay away and enjoy it and then you once you evolve into your final form of uh of sharp yeah. <laughs> sharp sports betting masochist you'll start taking lines like texans plus eight and a half and bragging about it like yes yeah <laughs> this is such that's a bad that. side i love it I know. One of my favorite bets is uh, last year, women's, the women's college basketball tournament. I took uh, Norfolk State versus South Carolina, or North Dakota State, I, I believe, against South Carolina. I think it was minus 49 and a half. And I was like, I can't take a point, a 50-point spread, basically. Like, I can't just t- leave that alone. Ended up hitting. I think they lost by like 35. So, you know, not even sweating. But oh, was, only 35. Yeah, only mm-hmm. 35. They, they, they held their own. Yeah, they were in the mix. Uh, Drew, thanks for stopping by the Lion's Edge. Uh, really appreciate your insights and uh, looking forward to some more good data from you and John. All right, thanks again to Drew Odell for stopping by the podcast. Uh, Like Christian, I talked uh, with Drew off mic after we were done recording, and he was like, yeah, dude, hit me up in season. Let's do this again. So uh, Drew, probably a name that you will hear from again uh, before it's all said and wrapped with this podcast. Let's talk NFL futures. We have, let's see, this week is week zero, and check back midweek for the, uh, the week zero college football podcast. Next week, we'll start looking at week one college football games, and then NFL will be here. So we are less than three weeks away from NFL Sunday, probably about 17 days away from the actual uh, kickoff game between the Lions and Chiefs. And so it's time, if you haven't yet done so, to get really serious about NFL futures. I have here a list of 20 bets I have already placed in the futures market. Some of these, a little bit late. Uh, Normally, I like to try to hit the NFL futures market uh, late July, mid-July. But, you know, just getting out to Vegas, getting into the contest. A little bit delayed uh, because of some of the COVID stuff. So we're a little behind schedule here. Nonetheless, all of these numbers are live and accurate as of Sunday night at the BetMGM Online Sportsbook. You can get over there for the normal markets I'm going to talk about. There's some kind of cute exotics that I have a little bit of interest in that I'm going to talk about as well. But you can get over to BetMGM and find all of these numbers right now. Let's start in the NFC. I am, I think, just constitutionally more attracted to the NFC this year because the top is a lot less crowded and so I think that opens up some opportunities for long shot teams in that sort of middle zone maybe the 21 NFC 50 to 1 Super Bowl kind of space to jump up and be relevant you don't necessarily expect a 50 to 1 team to win the NFC but maybe they could be in position to give yourself a hedge 
uh, and set up a winning, no risk, no net risk bet. And you know that's always what I'm kind of looking for with most of these uh, futures bets. I'm looking to establish one position and then open up opportunities for myself down the line. I did that a lot with in-season playoff odds last year. You're going to hear some of that in this uh, set of bets as well. The first one I kind of was interested in, uh, let's go out west. Let's start with the NFC West. I think the Rams are being really undervalued here. I, I get that they were bad last year. I get that Stafford's been hurt. I know he has some some family issues he's working through right now. Uh, but I think overall, the market has gone way too soft, way too fast on this Rams team. We're talking about a team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. And so you hit that super high of 2021. You hit a huge low in 2022. We understand that this team was built to win fast, and so there was always going to be a drop-off and a you know a check to pay. The bill was always going to come due on this Rams team eventually, and I think we saw a lot of that in 2022. But there should be some leveling out here. So to see a team with Stafford at quarterback, a di- as dynamic a playmaker as Cooper Cup is, on offense, Aaron Donald still on this defensive line, Sean McVay still the coach, and the number is six and a half, and you get plus a hundred for the over. I just think that's a little soft for a Rams team that's not dead in the water. I mean, go look at the other teams that have a win total of six and a half. This is ridiculous. So my first one, I kind of like the Rams to have some room to run, especially in an NFC that has a very very soft middle class this year. Over six and a half wins, you can get a seven and ten Rams team that still goes over the win total. I love it. Let's talk Seahawks. Full disclosure, longtime listeners already know this, but I want to be very upfront about this. I am in the tank for Geno Smith. He's a West Virginia guy. I've always rooted for him. He had an awful first seven or eight years to his career. He was extremely unlucky, and that. I think my over-awareness clearly establishes that I have some kind of Geno Smith bias and Seahawks bias. So I want to be upfront about that. But it's interesting that the market, and when you listen to so many like podcasters in the space and analysts in the space and advantage betters in the space, they all say the same thing about the Seahawks, which is, you have to expect negative regression from the Seahawks because there was just no evidence that Geno Smith was going to do what he did last year. And so you have to expect it's going to go down from here. It can only go down from here. I'm not sure that's the case. When Geno Smith was drafted, this is kind of what was expected from him. He had a first-round grade, and he's you know, it was a late first round grade, but he had sort of a back end of the first round grade, and then he slipped into the second round because it was a really weak quarterback class. And then he had some bad luck with the Jets. He was drafted to an inept offensive team and this teammate bullshit. This is what he can do. And, and again, I'm biased, but I don't think this is fluky. I think he can continue to succeed. I think he's super grateful for all the opportunities that he's been given in Seattle. I think he works really hard. I think he makes way less money than most other quarterbacks, and that enables Seattle to build more around him and get more production for less money, which we know is a way to to be successful here in the modern NFL post-2014 when they redid the rookie scale. So I, I, I like some Seattle futures here. I'll I'll throw a dart. I think you're not getting great value for them to win the division, but I'll take a flyer on Seattle at plus 195 to win the division. I think the strongest play here, even though it's a shorter number, is the Seahawks in the playoffs market at minus 120. So that's the one, and, and I'm really loading up on that. I just think there's not a lot of traffic in the NFC that's going to get in front of the CL uh, in front of the Seahawks it's going to prevent them from making the playoffs so i really like uh, the Seahawks playoffs odds at minus 120 and that's one of my biggest positions that i have right now i just don't see how they finish 8th or lower in this NFC with as much offensive talent as they have so there we go san francisco's priced out enough 
don't even know what to do with that team. It's 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 real funky there, and I'm staying far away from that. Uh, NFC East, Eagles are super priced out. Not interested in really anything going on there. Don't want anything to do with the Commanders. Giants are giant regression targets. The only thing I really want to do here is bet the Cowboys to win the NFC East. Is that a little bit square? Probably. Um, I, I guess less square now because the Eagles have become hyper-public. But, I mean, the NFC East famously has crazy amounts of turnover year to year. Nobody's gone back-to-back as division champions in like 20-some years. The last time it happened, it was like the Donovan McNabb, Andy Reid, Philadelphia Eagles from the early 2000s. We're talking Bush first presidency, uh, first term, uh, W. Bush here. So, like, this is a long time ago that that happened. You can't just bet it on that trend alone, but I think when you look at the massive amount of turnover that Philadelphia had uh, year to year when what they lost in free agency, how they had to sort of retool the roster, I think the Cowboys could definitely be in the mix here. And at plus 170, you're giving yourself some options later on down the line if it's tight going into December and January. So I like the plus number here. And then we'll have some in-season options if we want to hedge out of that and buy an additional position with Philadelphia. NFC South. Deep breath here, folks. I have bought just about every Falcons position you can imagine. I I need somebody to intervene to stop me from buying more Falcons bets, okay? Falcons plus 210 to win the NFC South. That's a a gimme. They've got – and prepare to – I've already said this a few times. You're probably going to hear me say it more – Atlanta is arguably going to have the best offensive line in the NFL. You're going to hear me say it a lot. Falcons plus 210 to win the division. The Saints are are favored here, but I'm not really sold that they should be. Uh, I I think the Falcons have the best unit in the division, even if the quarterback play is a little suspect. So we're going to rely on the run game here. More on that in a second. Uh, As sort of a hedge against the Saints potentially winning this division, I also like the Falcons to make the playoffs at plus 110. So this is basically you're buying a scenario where if the Falcons win the division, you're automatically in, right, at at the plus 110, and you're getting the plus 210 on the actual division bet as well. But you're also buying here the scenario that Atlanta is good, but they still don't quite have enough to win the division. Probably New Orleans gets it. Maybe Bryce Young and Carolina are really good right away, but I don't really see it. I'm willing to write Tampa off pretty aggressively. More on that in a second. So really, you're buying the scenario that Atlanta finishes second, probably behind New Orleans in the division, but still has a good enough record in a shallow NFC and a really bad division that they pop into maybe that number six wild card spot in the NFC playoffs. Uh, that, I think, is a very realistic scenario. And so I'm adding plus 110 stock on top of my plus 210 divisional price. I like Bijan Robinson to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. He is the favorite at plus 250. He is a blue-chip running back running behind arguably the best offensive line in the game. Unless you think that one of the quarterbacks is going to pop right away, which I don't, then this is probably the best position to have. You're buying at the top of the market, but in this case, because of the contours of the market, I'm actually okay with that. I don't think Bryce Young is going to be awesome in Carolina right away. I don't think he has a, a great you know, bunch of pieces around him that's going to enable to be, to be good fast. I don't think that you know, the Texans are going to be awesome right away, even though it's a bad division. I don't think Anthony Richardson is going to be awesome right away with the Colts, even though it's a bad division. If I had to bet one of those, I probably would bet Richardson. But I like the idea that Robinson is just going to absolutely tank yards for Atlanta. He's going to just beast mode people, which is why, in addition to Rookie of the Year, I'm also buying Bijan Robinson leads the NFL in rushing yards this year. For 10 to 1 odds, that's currently at BetMGM. And here we go. Let's get super crazy. Falcons win the NFC 30 to 1. Now, this is definitely for sure, I have not lost my mind. This is a total hedge out setup. The idea being the Falcons do something really, really well in a really bad division. And so maybe the Falcons get up to like, 12 and 5, 13 and 4 have some preposterously overrated record. 
and they, they're like in a really undeserving number one seed. It's not as crazy as it sounds. They've got a great offensive line, and they have a cheap quarterback. That's kind of the formula to have a good record in 2023 in the NFL. So I think there's a potential future where the Falcons are not a true Super Bowl contender, but they're the number one seed. They get a buy into the divisional round. They play a home game against you know some team that they are roughly equal to. They run the ball. It's January. It's cold. It's successful. They win one playoff game, and they're in the in it, and they're in the NFC Championship game. Now, do I think they're one of the four best teams in the NFL? Of course, I don't. That's ridiculous. But the path could be there for them to easily get into that championship round. And now I'm sitting there with a 31 ticket and I can hedge out with whoever the better team is to win a road game in Atlanta. That's the scenario I see. I think 30 to 1 is great value there. So I'm I'm setting that up right there with an NFC bet. I'm not interested in a Super Bowl bet. It just seems too far-fetched to me. But I think the NFC path is actually kind of there. And then I can hedge out with the better team later. Take a deep breath. I know that was a lot of Falcons talk, but I, I do. I think the prep work that I that I see opens the lane to a lot of Falcons property. So that that's kind of what I've done there. Is I've loaded up on several Falcons positions one more time through. Falcons plus two ten to win the NFC South. Falcons plus one ten to to make the playoffs. Bijan Robinson wins Offensive Rookie of the Year plus two fifty. Bijan Robinson leads the NFL in rushing yards plus one thousand. Falcons win the NFC 30 to 1. You know who's not going to be good this year? Tampa. The Bucks. Hope you enjoyed the Tom Brady era, uh, short as it was, because it's going to get rough real fast in Tampa. If you look, uh, Tampa has a relatively early buy, so they're going to play seven games before the trade deadline at the start of November. If you look at what their schedule is, it would be shocking if they were better than 2-5 and five after those first seven games before the trade deadline. I think they're going to be 1-6. and six. And if this Tampa team that loaded up with a bunch of contracts when Tom Brady was there is coming to the NFL deadline and they have a coach that doesn't have a great track record and they've got a bunch of aging and increasingly expensive contracted-out defensive players and they're 1-6... and six, it's going to be sell time. They are going to be sellers at the trade deadline. They're going to start moving pieces. And a 1-6 team is going to get less talented. And they're just going to tank. They're going to be bad. Uh, and when you look at the win total for this Tampa team, it's 6.5. If they start 1-6, even if they don't sell off, the path to 7 wins is pretty tough. So... In addition to all the Atlanta talk, I'm also on Tampa under six and a half. Let's go to the NFC North really fast. Uh, I have written a lot about the Lions this summer. The Lions have been pretty much the trendiest bet in all of NFL betting, maybe in all of sports betting this summer. The Lions hype is insane. Something like half of all tickets in the NFC Championship market are on Detroit. The other half is on the other 15 teams. One half is on Detroit. Crazy, crazy stuff. Uh, Some stats there, which, by the way, I got from Drew Odell and John Ewing. So uh, great stuff there. Boys, Look, this this stuff with the Lions is out of control. The book has clearly jacked the prices up. There is zero value to chase here. Buying the Lions at the top of the market seems completely insane. I have added a small position on the Lions to win the division at plus 135. And frankly, it's because I've gotten slightly more value because there's been a bunch of late summer hype on the Bears The Vikings are in the mix. I'd rather have the Lions. I think what they're doing on fourth down, I think the Ben Johnson offense, like I think as much hype as there is, there's also some substance to it. So I'm willing to buy a small position, but don't go crazy here because it is pretty square. I think the underrated team in this division has actually become the Packers. Um, You're talking about a team that has still has a very good coach, offensive-minded, is going to work with Jordan Love, Aaron Rodgers didn't have that great of a year last year to begin with. It's still going to be a downgrade from Rodgers 22 to Love 23, so don't misunderstand me. 
but maybe not as big of a drop as people think. You're talking about a team with a great home field advantage. The defense is still pretty good. The secondary is still pretty good. So there's still a lot to like here with the Packers and a division that I think is definitely winnable. They're plus 165 to make the playoffs right now, and that's the bet I'm interested in. I I don't know. I mean, the value to win the division is interesting. I think I'm more interested with the Packers in the functionality of a playoff bet. So shorter odds, but you know more room to play with in a shallow NFC. The problem is it's better to wait until after week two to bet the Packers because they play they play at Chicago and at Atlanta the first two weeks of the season. And with Jordan Love really stepping into the position, people think Chicago could be good. I certainly think Atlanta's going to be good. There's a decent chance the Packers could be 0-2. And I still like them to make the playoffs because of the ebbs and flows of a season. You're going to lose a couple games, especially if you're the Packers, especially if you're if it's early. I, I think that all kind of checks out given the scenario. I just want the better number. So the Packers are not officially one of the 20 bets I've made because I haven't yet made it, but it is something I'm going to look to make after week two. So just kind of you know set a reminder in your head. I'll, I'll try to mention it here uh, on the week three NFL podcast when we get to it let's go to the afc uh let's start in the afc west denver plus 200 to make the playoffs is very interesting i think the comp here that is most relevant is the jags a couple years ago the jags had some talent but it was absolutely being squattered with a bad 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 coach in urban meyer and when you look at how feckless the jags looked and how immediately competent they looked when they went from Urban Meyer to Doug Peterson, I think that's what we're going to get with Denver this year. I think that's how big the gap is between what Nathaniel Hackett did as head coach last year and what Sean Payton will do this year. I think the gap is that big. So that's the team stuff. Let's talk about the number. Denver plus 200 to make the playoffs. Contrast that against another team in the AFC West, and their odds to make the playoffs. The Chargers are minus 115. The Broncos are plus 200. That's all about last year. The Chargers were decent last year, and they made the playoffs as a wild card. Denver was really ugly, so they're 2-1. to one. That's all it is. But basically, I mean, the odds that both of these teams and the Chiefs are all going to make the playoffs in a stacked AFC is basically impossible. So you are picking between the Chargers and the Broncos as potential wildcard teams. One of them is likely to make it. The other one is likely not to. Do you want the team at minus 115 or do you want the team at 2-1? to one? Even if you don't think it's a toss-up, which it kind of is, uh, even if you don't think it's a toss-up, I still think there's a case to just take the better return and keep it moving here. And so I, I like Denver. I like them to make a big jump with Sean Payton. I like the home field advantage. I don't... I'm lower on Russell Wilson probably than others, but I don't think he's totally washed at this point. So I like Denver at 2-1 to one to make the playoffs. Obviously not interested in their divisional odds. Uh, Chiefs to win the AFC at 3-1. to one. Pretty simple, straightforward. How many different, how many years in a row now have the Chiefs made the AFC championship game? It's a lot. Uh, this is me taking a 3-1 to one number that is at the top of the market and not anything to write home about but at the same time you can feel pretty confident that the Chiefs are probably going to be back in that AFC championship game and you know you're not going to get the Chiefs at three to one next January to win the AFC championship so you set it up now with the likelihood that they're probably going to be back there even if they don't win the game they're going to be back there and you're definitely not getting a better number later on so you take it now and then you have the hedge opportunity later Finally, my last bet in the AFC West. This is not for everybody. This one is not going to be for everybody, okay? It's just not. But if you're sitting there and you got a really big bankroll and you don't mind letting some of it sit for four months for a sure thing, Raiders to miss the playoffs at minus 550. This is the type of thing, if you've got a bag, if you've got like a comical cartoon money bag with 10 grand in it, and you know you're going to be in Vegas before week one, and you're like, hmm, where's a safe place to put my money? 
Raiders to miss the playoffs at minus 550 is about as safe as you're going to get. It's not the it's not the worst number. It's not Arizona to miss the playoffs, which I believe is minus 2,000. But if you think about what the Raiders are, they're a team that had a limited but very stable quarterback, and it let that limited but stable quarterback walk and brought in an older quarterback who is injury-prone, and is less stable. I think Garoppolo played six years in San Francisco. He played 12 games or more in two of the six years. He is now older and more injury-prone than he was in San Francisco. He is almost definitely going to break down. It's not if, it's when. Beyond Devontae Adams, there's not a lot to love here. The defense is eh. They play in one of the toughest divisions in football. They got to play the Chiefs twice. They got to play the Broncos twice. They got to play the Chargers twice. That could very easily be 0 and 6. The AFC is loaded. Where is the wild card spot for the Raiders? It's just not there. Even if they stay healthy, they are probably screwed. So Raiders to miss the playoffs at minus 550. It's, it doesn't sound interesting to say it's one of my favorite bets, but it is one of my favorite bets because there's just, there's almost no path. I cannot imagine the path that the Raiders would have to the playoffs. The implied odds of a minus 550 money line, and by the way, I think this opened closer to like minus 400 or minus 450. The implied odds of the current minus 550 price is 84.6%. So the implied odds say there's basically an 85% chance, a 6 in 7 chance that the Raiders miss the playoffs. I think that's soft. I mean, I think this should be like minus 2400. I don't know, given both the AFC and the AFC West, and what the Raiders roster looks like, especially at quarterback. I don't know what the argument is that they make the playoffs. So this number to me, even though it is chalky as hell, is not nearly chalky enough, in my opinion. And that's why it's actually one of my favorite bets to make. If you've got a giant pile of money laying around, you're going to get better return on that than you will in the stock market the next four months, I would guess. Uh, let's look at the AFC South. You're not going to hear me say much about the Jags. It's priced out. Uh, the the Sharps beat me to the under. I kind of liked it earlier in the summer, but I didn't take it. I wanted to wait to see where it would go, and then I lost my window. Uh, so there you go. That's 101. Buy it. Buy it a little bit now and buy some more later if you like it. I didn't do that. I lost my window, and I'm not coming in on the under for the 9.5 in a super weak AFC South. I'll tell you what I do like in the AFC South. I think there's a case here that the Titans are being really undervalued. I think the Titans were on track to win this division until late last year when the Jags got hot and the Titans totally collapsed from injury. Okay, So I, I think there's a case to make, and I might make it on the blog before the season starts, that the Titans should actually be considered AFC South contenders, especially at the number they're getting. That said, the bet that I have taken is is Titans to score the fewest points in the NFL this season at 11-1. to 1. I looked up the lowest scoring teams from last year. The Broncos were number one. They scored 287 points. It's not going to be the problem this year. Right after them, 289 points. So just two total more points. You got both the Colts and the Texans. And both teams drafted quarterbacks with their top 10 draft capital. So, again, I'm going to say that the offenses improve here. After that is the Jets, 296 points. They went and got Aaron Rodgers, and I'm going to talk about the Jets in just a second, but I'm going to go ahead and predict that when you go from Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers, your offense gets a little bit better. After that is the Titans, 298 for less than 300 total points last regular season. Broncos, Colts, Texans, Jets, Titans. Probably not a coincidence that they're all AFC teams. Lots of good offenses, lots of good defenses in that conference. The Titans were the fifth worst scoring offense last year. And unlike the four teams above them, they didn't really take any steps to make it better this year. Schematically, they're not really going to do anything differently. 
So I actually think this is incredible value here to get the Titans at 11-1. to When you look at the teams above them, they all got better. I don't know that the Titans did. So there's a pretty good chance at 11-1 to that you're live with that bet. I uh, really, really like it. Jets to miss the playoffs at plus 115. Look, there's a lot of good AFC teams. They can't all make the playoffs. And when you look at the Jets, I am skeptical of a 40-year-old quarterback and a bad offensive line. I think that's a tragic pairing. I think they have preseason challenges and distractions that they, to their credit, have been very honest about not liking in HBO's Hard Knocks. And when you look at the schedule that they have through the first four, five, six weeks of the season, it's brutal. It's the hardest opening four, five, six weeks of any team in the NFL. It's arguably the hardest Jets schedule that I can really ever remember. So I think there's a pretty good chance that the Jets are going to be 1-5, and 2-4. and four. They're going to start taking injuries on offense. They're going to be down a quarterback. They're going to be down an offensive lineman. The offensive line's going to get even worse. They're going to be playing from behind all season. And even with a late charge, because you know Aaron Rodgers is going to have a late season charge in him. That's what he does. In a loaded AFC, it might not be enough. So I think there's a ton of value getting that Plus number for Jets to miss the playoff, plus 115. Huge fan of that. Finally, AFC North. A division that literally any of the four teams in it could win, if you ask me. Uh, The Bengals, like a lot of these teams, are kind of priced out. That's come down a little bit with the Joe Burrow uh, calf injury news, where suddenly there's a little tiny bit of room. A little bit of tiny appetite to bet against the Bengals. But generally speaking, Burrow and that offense has become extremely public. And nobody wants to bet against them. Even though the Bengals still have kind of a met offensive line. And this division is loaded with excellent defensive lines. So the number one thing I like here is the Ravens. This is another kind of semi-exotic over at BetMGM. The Ravens to finish the regular season as the number one seed in the AFC, that's plus 850. The Ravens were on track to do this last year. And then it all kind of went sideways. Lamar got hurt, and then he got more hurt, and then he decided he was going to sit out. And then the Ravens are down to their third-string quarterback. And even despite all of that, they still made the playoffs and almost beat the Bengals on the road with a backup quarterback. John Harbaugh is coaching his butt off. This roster is good. We've got Munkin's new offense being installed. I think that could be really interesting. I think the offensive line's really good. I think the defensive line's really good. There's a lot to like here with the Ravens. And if you are counting on like a little bit of a Chiefs post-Super Bowl, hey, who really cares about the first two months of the season kind of thing, I think the Ravens could be hungry enough to go get this number one seed if Lamar Jackson is healthy and productive and it's all cooking like it was at the beginning of last year. I think they're really live for this number one seed and 850 is a really great number to get that. So that's that's number one in this division. I like that. Now, you're going to have to hold more than one thought in your head for this division because I'm betting the numbers here. I'm betting the likelihood of scenarios relative to the numbers they have been assigned. And so that's going to lead to some contradictory bets. But, you know, if you're familiar with the space and you know how this works, then then you get what I'm saying here. Uh, I, I like the Browns at plus 375 to win this division. Okay? So obviously that's going to contradict the Ravens thing a little bit. It's also going to contradict another thing that I got coming up here. But when you look at what the Browns have, I mean, Deshaun Watson... I don't, I mean, I even kind of talked about this ahead of the last season. I mean, the guy had not played football in multiple years. And then all of a sudden, he's on another team, and he hasn't played in two and a half or three years or something like that. Of course he looked bad. The Browns were already kind of out of it. Of course he looked bad. Um, So this price to me is not reflective of the current team and the current chances. This, This price is watered down because we've forgotten how good Watson is 
Obviously, this is strictly on-the-field kind of conversation. We all understand that. We've forgotten how good of a football player Deshaun Watson is. We've forgotten, or maybe maybe don't even fully realize, how good the Browns' defensive line is. Their offensive line, their run game is going to be really good. I think 375 for the Browns to win this division is a light number. I think this number should not be this thick. Uh, So I think there's some real nice value here. I like Browns plus 375 to win the AFC North. I also am taking a flyer on the Steelers at plus 450 to win this division. They have arguably, they definitely don't have arguably the best offensive line, but they arguably have the best defensive front. If TJ Watt stays healthy this year, we know how good this team can be. We know how well it's coached. I think Kenny Pickett is a solid quarterback. We know how I feel about rookie contracts. I think there's a lot to like here. I think they're balanced. And I'm never going to be surprised if the Steelers win a division. I'm just, it's never going to surprise me. This this team had all the reason in the world to hang it up last year. This team had all the reason in the world to be a 7-10 overachieving team last year. And they, they overachieved even beyond that and got somehow to 9-8. and eight. Now, I don't like playoff odds with the Steelers. Or really the Browns either. Because this is clearly a division where everybody's going to beat each other up. They're all going to be in the like 10 to 10 and 7, 9 and 8 kind of range because they all beat each other up. And that's not going to be good enough, maybe, for a lot of teams to seize that wild card spot when the AFC has so many good teams in it. There's going to be a good AFC North team maybe multiple good AFC North teams that miss the playoffs because of what the AFC middle-class traffic looks like. But if the Steelers win the division or the Browns win the division, I don't think that's crazy. The Ravens, I I mean, literally, it's going back to what I said at the top here. Any of the four teams in this division have a realistic chance to win this division. And when you look at how the Bengals' public nature tilts the odds toward them and away from everybody else it is worth running toward everybody else because there is inherent value baked into those numbers you can bet the ravens if you want i think the number is okay i would rather throw some darts at big ravens outcomes like winning the super bowl at 18 to 1 or winning the afc or finishing as the number one seed in the afc Those are the things that I like for the Ravens. For the Browns or the Steelers, I'm aiming a little lower because I think the ceiling is lower. I I think it would be weird if Kenny Pickett won the Super Bowl this year, right? I think it would be less weird if Lamar Jackson and the Ravens did. Steelers won the Super Bowl this year. Steelers won the AFC this year. That'd be pretty weird. But I do think they could win the division. I think any of these teams could win the division. So give me the long numbers with Cleveland and Pittsburgh. I also like the Steelers over eight and a half wins. I think it is very possible that the Steelers get back to a nine and eight record. They're maybe a little bit better this year, a little bit healthier this year. They get back to nine and eight. They miss the playoffs in a loaded AFC, but they still go over their win total. And that's that. That's 20 NFL futures bets. If you would like to see a full written version of all those bets you're like hey that was great chase really thoughtful uh, but that was a lot of audio and i don't want to have to go back and listen to it good news there will be a written copy of this over at the betmgm blog the roar you can read it all you can write notes you can write it all down rip it off from me and go bet some or all of these bets yourself i will provide that to you with a link In the description box, Uh, that article probably won't be up right away when this podcast episode goes live Monday morning at 5.30 or whenever it is. So uh, that link might not be available right away, but I promise I will update it as soon as it is there. Uh, I'll also make sure to include some other links in the description for this podcast as well uh, from the blog things that you might be interested in reading like my NFL win totals analysis, like my Super Bowl odds that I update every week, sometimes multiple times a week. Uh, so all that good stuff linked in the show notes. Whew, this episode ended up being quite long and we got another one coming later this week. Uh, so tune back in midweek, probably Wednesday, a little bit on week zero college football odds. You know, uh, we're 
we're getting into that time where we're going to have you know weekly odds dumps. So week zero college football odds, definitely one to watch for. Uh, lots of podcast appearances for me this week. I am on 10-12 this week with my friend Philip Slavin talking about big 12 win totals. Uh, if you are one of the JMU mob, believe this week uh, Todd and Rob are dropping our Sunbelt JMU betting preview. So lots of good college football stuff there. You can go check that out, and then there will definitely be upcoming college football content, not just for week zero on the podcast, but also uh, a a similar episode probably to what I did today, uh, talking through all of the college football futures that I like. There will be a lot of win totals there. Early preview, I like Baylor. Over seven wins, I would go grab it. If you like the Big 12 number two, Big 12 championship, you can do that. I believe at BetMGM we also have odds just to make the Big 12 title game, but not necessarily win it. So you can go grab that for Baylor as well if you like. But personally, best bet, just my opinion, over the seven wins. That is about as close to a lock as I have in in college football this year. As of right now, that's how I feel. All right, super long episode. Uh, We're over an hour at this point. Let's get out of here. Uh, Thanks for listening to the podcast. Thanks for checking out the Lion's Edge. Thanks for checking out the blog, The Roar, at BetMGM, me, my coworkers, always giving you good actionable stuff over there. Make sure you check all of that out. Like the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, review the podcast. Uh, do all of the things to the podcast. Share it with a friend. It does help me out uh, to help grow the show. Numbers have been great. Thank you guys for listening. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for sharing it. I'll see you back here midweek to talk week zero college football odds. Until then, good luck with your bets. Take it easy.